Well, I just want to thank the Lord uh, for the opportunity to be up here. I don't take it lightly when the Lord allows me to be up here. I want to thank Brother Creed if he's listening. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it is so true that this church is pretty unique in your behavior and attitude towards those that are visiting here. And as a matter of fact, the first time I ever visited, I made sure I told uh, Brother Creed that uh, people here are wonderful people, uh, like greeting people to come in and uh, complimenting them and uh, thanking them for coming. Uh, <clears throat> just to piggyback on what uh, you said earlier, uh, you know, that we were once visitors. I even heard of the gentleman from India named Gandhi. Uh, when the missionaries were all over India, he tried visiting uh, a Methodist church, and a lady approached him at the door and said, I don't think you're going to be welcome here because you're different. Here you have a church that a missionary planted right there in the middle of India, not, uh, not allowing Gandhi to enter. And you know what kind of testimony that left Gandhi? He said, I love the teaching of Jesus, but I do have a problem with his followers. Wow. That's a bad testimony. Right. Okay? And uh, testimonies are great. Brother Creed always said that we ought to preach our testimony. Once again, he asked me to give my testimony up here. And because he said testimonies can be very powerful. And it's true. Uh, if you listen, if you ever read about people that you never thought would have gotten saved, uh, let me leave you with, with uh, remember Pearl Harbor. And if you like watching movies or watching documentary of Pearl Harbor, the lead pilot of one of the aircraft carrying the Japanese had a mustache. He's the lead he was the lead pilot. He got saved. Okay? Remember, uh, a lot of people, a lot of Japanese got saved. Well, that wouldn't say a lot. That would be exaggerated a little bit. We just said, well, Japanese got saved. If you watch the, the signing of the, uh, the instrument of surrender in the battleship Missouri, if you see some uh, top hat Japanese uh, getting ready to sign the instrument of surrender, one of them got saved. You know, you got saved. They were walking along a railroad track one time in, Jap in Japan during uh, the military occupation. And, uh, you know, back then, it is said where America's military went, the gospel went. Wow. Okay? And uh, I don't think that's true today. I'm not going to tell you why. But back then, a lot, of, a lot of those young men leaving America, joined the military, joined the Marine Corps, joined the Army. Hey, they came from good churches. And they, and they went with the gospel. Uh, there's one uh, missionary uh, told me how one of the guys that died during World War II, they found a Bible among his belongings. And they knew for a fact he was saved. Okay? So this Japanese gentleman, uh, he was thinking about committing suicide because that was a great embarrassment for the Japanese people of uh, uh, having a foreign uh, occupation that never happened before in the Japanese the history of Japan okay so America uh, set foot on the soil of Japan back then uh, it was a great embarrassment and shame some of them committed what they call sepulchre which is a ritual uh, suicide okay a lot of them were basically opening their belly and someone chopped their heads off uh, and uh, uh, so that's what, what happened this one guy was thinking what was uh, right there in Bayashi, Missouri Watch Japan surrendered and watch them have to sign, say that they surrendered. He was going to commit suicide. And a gospel track, of course, in English, how did he speak English? Because a lot of those uh, Japanese officer generals actually attended Harvard University here in America. Okay, so they were able to speak English very well. And he got, got a gospel track and read it and changed his mind about committing. He said, What? This is the real Jesus? This is what Jesus is all about? And you really realize, you know what? God gave our country over to the Americans. Okay? Uh, I'm going to give you my testimony once again. And uh, I'm going to slow it down just a little bit. But uh, I'm going to start out with reading Mark. 
as to the reason why we should actually give a testimony. Okay? And uh, we'll start with uh, Mark chapter, eight, ch chapter 5, verse 18. This is about gathering maniac. Many of you know the story before. And when he came onto the ship, he, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Was asking the Lord. He said, Lord, I want to hang out with you now. Okay? I want to follow you everywhere you go. Hobbit it, Jesus suffered him, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell him how great things the Lord had done for thee and had compassion on thee. And I like the fact that you know, I'm going to also focus on in, in my life compassion. Interesting that Brother Creed was also emphasizing compassion, okay, today. And uh, what, what the Lord was saying, go back and show your friends what the Lord has done for you. Okay? Imagine uh, how the gospel, or people can look at the light of the gospel in a different manner when a drunken person no longer is a drunk. He can, t he can point to the fact that he accepted Christ and Christ changed him. Okay? How that warmonger is no longer a warmonger because Christ saved him. Okay? How that wife beater, okay, the drug addict, the drug pusher, okay, the guy that used, you know, there's all kinds of stories about people who used to own liquor stores and got saved. And when, and when people look and say, how oh, come you're not hanging out with us anymore? They can point to the scripture and say, no, God saved me. Amen. Okay? So I'm going to show you what happened to me, uh, you know, how I got saved. Okay, but I feel like to say, you know, where, where are you going? I tell, I'm going to tell you, first of all, I grew up in, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Those of you that grew up in a Christian home, you have to thank the Lord for that. If you never, if you never, if you don't know what it's like, the, the moment that you got, you were born, and you see your parents picking you up, taking you to church, you, you, you see your parents uh, going into a church where the gospel is preached, people are getting saved, and you never have to deal with a home that was miserable, dark, uh, uh, cussing and debating and the drunken daddy. You ought to thank the Lord for that. Amen. Okay? And I, can't, I could never understand that. And I always talk about this, where Creed and I talk about it. How is that someone that grew up in a Christian home hate their parents? Right. How is it that a child that grew up in a Christian home don't know what it's, they might probably see it a time when dad, mommy and daddy go through some hard time. That's good because when you see that mommy and daddy go through some hard time, mommy and daddy prayed and asked God to help them, and you see the hand of God come upon the home and God and the, and the Lord bless that home, then you can say there is a God because that's a testimony. But when you see a parent, when you see a child grow up in a Christian home, I can't wait till they turn 18 and leave and they cuss their parent. There's something wrong with that. Right. Okay? There, there's something seriously wrong with that. That child is an ungrateful child. Okay, I never had the privilege of growing up at a Christian home. Ever since the day I was born, and by the time I turned five, six years old, all I ever got from my daddy was beating and cussing. Okay, my daddy tried to actually kill us. I remember one time my daddy came home, he was drunk, okay, and he came home with a revolver, and he actually tried to keep murder my sister. I'm gonna tell you right now, okay, I don't know why the Lord did that. The Lord knows what he's doing. I actually saw a miracle in our home that night. That Saturday night, my daddy point a point blank, pointing the gun at my sister and shot right her in her chest. I tell you what, as I'm standing right here, uh, I don't think my mom realized what happened. I don't think my sister realized what happened. But after everybody left, two days later, I'm here. I'm visiting the crime scene once again. Here I was about 11 years old. I look at where he was standing, and I look where the bed was. And I, up to this day, brother, Brother Carter, I don't know how he missed. I don't know how he missed. And you know what? Years later, I got saved. I got saved when I was 19 years old. 
I said, I think the Lord worked a miracle on us that night. Right. Maybe the Lord revealed us that to me after I got saved. Right. That, you know what, the Lord showed up that night. Because, you know, what my daddy told us, he said, I have five rounds in here because he fired a gun in the ground. I have five rounds right here. And he said, five for the five of you. And I said, and for some reason, I didn't really feel scared that night. I was just, I guess we was traumatized. Okay. Ever since the day I was born at six years old, my daddy used to beat me until I was about 11, 12 years old. When he finally kicked me out of the house. Okay. I had scars across my back. My daddy looked at me and said, my world, my, 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 my reason, my goal is to make sure you become mentally retarded. Okay. That was his goal. Night and day, it was beatings. Night and day, it was cussing. Okay? To the point, uh, at, at one time, the, my daddy used to leave the house with us, run off with his girlfriend. Okay, I know his girlfriend's name up until this day. Right in front of us, adultery, and, and, and left us with no food, nothing. At one point, I was in rags because of my daddy. Do I hate my daddy? I'm I tell you something. Uh, do not take, when someone gives testimonies like these, I came from home. That was just pure miserable. My daddy was also into witchcraft and black magic. Okay? I'm going to tell you something. I saw demonic operations in our home. That stuff is real. And I'm telling you right now, if you're saved, but, hey, let me tell you something. Some of this music that you're listening to, right. some of those cards that you're playing, hey, you're watching the wrong thing on TV, that ghost hunters and all this stuff, right. it is wrong. And I'm going to tell you right now, parents, I'm telling you right now, kids, teenagers, you better stay away from that stuff because that stuff is real. Right. That of us are growing up in places like Jamaica, the Caribbean and all that, that stuff is real. And I'm telling you right now, that's why there's so many Christians that are oppressed. I'm telling you, Christian has no business being oppressed. If you want another Christian and say, oh, I'm oppressed and I'm this and that, go and take a look into what's going on to their homes and what kind of music they're listening to. I'm telling you right now, they're hoping your home to demonic oppression. Hey, if you're saved, you're not going to be demonically possessed. But I'm telling you what's going to happen. You can be demonically oppressed. Okay? That, that, I'm telling you, that's why in the book of Acts, they're talking about they, they take this stuff, uh, they download the sorcerer stuff and take it and burn it. That's what you ought to do with some of those things that you have in your homes. Amen? Amen. But once again, I, I, I've seen stuff in your home that shouldn't be there. And guess what? Let me tell you something once again. You have to make your mind up what kind of life you're going to live after you get saved. Amen. Or do you want to go down the same path that your daddy or your parents went through that caused no but oppression and problems and bloodshed in the home? Or you want to just change your life around? I'm telling you right now, salvation and Bible reading and getting right to God is the key. Okay? So one day, so, so one day I decided that, you know what? They got me something different than this. Let me tell you something also. My, my, my grades were going downhill. I went to school. Nothing was registering. I, I, I was failing test after test. I, I know the reason I entered enter high school in Jamaica is the fact that because I was a track athlete. And in Jamaica, if you were a, a, a pretty good athlete, they look at you and say, you know what, that kid come to school. But how is his grades? Ah, uh, he's got his grades are not that great, but he can read, he can write, he, he'd be able to function. In high school in Jamaica, Brother Sam, I was messing up. The kids, were, I mean, I was have to, you know, I was, it was so embarrassing for me that I have to sit next to a female after she would teach me math. Okay, that's how bad it was. Okay, I had to, yeah, physics, all that stuff, I was failing. But, one day I said to my grandma, I said, you know what? I'm not going to treat my family like this ever. But I don't think I realized I was doing, I was saying, but you know what? I don't think I'd be able to accomplish what I accomplished with my family was for the Lord. Amen. Okay? I got, no, where did I get saved at? I, I, I came over here in Jamaica, you know, just every school, 
have religious studies and, a, and every school has a pastor. Our, pa our, our church pastor back in, uh, I think it's St. Andrew Technical High School, nicknamed Stats. Okay, somehow they won every soccer match after I left there. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, <laughs> this was supposed to be a joke. Huh? We used to get beat up and after I left, Grady would come over here. I hear they keep winning every year. They, be, they have something called the, the, the Manning Cup, soccer in Jamaica. Big deal. It's like Super Bowl here. And my school was winning, Brother Sam, every year. I mean, they, they were the team to beat. But anyway, uh, oh, they, they, uh, Mr. Hugh Sherlock, our white British Jamaican guy. As a matter of fact, he wrote the school anthem and also the national anthem in Jamaica. Okay, he was our school uh, uh, pastor. Okay, uh, uh, my grandmother used to be Anglican, and then from there we were Anglican to Baptist. And I never once heard a message of salvation. Okay, I'm just telling you the truth. In schools, some schools might tell you the message of salvation, but it wasn't a, it wasn't big like it was emphasized here. And when I came to the U.S., okay, I said, you know what? And, and this is true. I said, I want to attend the church here in America because I always said, America really had the gospel and, and about reading the Bible and about growing in the Lord. I want to find the right church. My sister and I said, okay, we know we need to do that. And sure enough, someone came by and then Bob Ritchie and invited us to ride the Blue Bus, the Woodland Baptist Church. Rode the, rode the Blue Bus for a while and I thought I was saved, but I love what I was hearing. And like the Holy Spirit of God one day said at the age of 19, the summer of 1983, he said, well, you never ever accepted me as your Lord and Savior. You need to get, get, get that done. Hey, I was always shy because of my upbringing and the trauma that I experienced. And by the way, uh, I, I think one of the shortcomings some people have that grew up in a Christian home, they cannot relate to somebody that grew up in a home like that. Right. I, I, and, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I used to be so... I used to wake up in nightmares. I used to be just sometimes by myself. Those those uh, things, even up until I'm in my thirties, my forties, my fifties, start uh, my my mind still going back to those moments when I was being abused. You cannot, you, you know, even if you got saved, you know, the, 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 what you experienced, the trauma, the scars are always going to be there. You just have to ask the Lord to help you through that. Okay. Now, every now and then, I just my eyes will just pop wide open because I'm remembering those things, things in my mind. They see going on. You cannot uh, to the point almost that basically I have a hatred for my dad. I remember the creed uh, preached a message about forgiveness. I came under conviction that all these years I still hated my dad. I still had issues with that, with how he treated us. Until the point when I get a hold of him, I want to ask him those questions. Why did you treat us like that? What? What? Why? You know what? <clears throat> I don't bring that up to him anymore. I never did. After, after I asked God forgive me, I got, the Lord gave me peace about that, that all I want to know is here that he got saved. That's, that's all I want. I, you know, I will never ever bring up what he treated me. All I want for him is to get saved Amen. because the hell is real. And you know what? God died for him. If he entered hell, <coughs> he won't be able to get out. He's going to be there burning and burning for all eternity. Thank you, Darian. Okay? So that's what I want for him, and God really gave me peace about that. So we, we don't 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 play uh, someone when they go through this traumatic experience. Learn from that. But anyway, I got saved. Uh, 120 Ames Road, Silver Spring, Maryland. Matter of fact, I get a hold of one of my classmates. I attend, still attending the Baptist church back in Jamaica, and I said, "Ask her, are you saved?" 
I said, can you take me to the place? Do you remember the place? Remember the time? But I can't remember the time. 120 Ames Road in Silver Spring, Maryland. Every time I drove past that place, I remember when I got saved. Amen. I, I'm sorry, guys. When I kneel on the side of my bed, and invite Christ to my heart. Amen. And God saved me. Sorry. That's where I got saved. I drove, every time I drive through that neighborhood, I remember the blue bus coming through there. And that's where I got saved. That's where I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior. And I tell people about it. I got baptized by Brother White. And I tell you what, I was always shy about going forward. But this time I wasn't shy. I, 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 I always have conscious of what people say to me, say about me, because of the traumatic experience that I had. Okay? Now, you know, where, where am I going? Let me see. My next phase of this, this testimony that's how I come to call you. How my life changed. My life changed, or how my life changed from that is start to see uh, issues, things, uh, every issue through the lens of scriptures. When you got saved, you know, Romans chapter 12, the renewing of your mind, how you look at issues, whether the political, social, everything, about you, how you live your life through the lens of scriptures. Okay, that's how my life can change. And everything now that I think of, how oh, will this affect my walk with the Lord? And because of that, when I got saved and I, and I realized I'm getting married, hey, I joined the Marine Corps. I went overseas. Okay, that's where I met my wife. Okay, I prayed for a wife. The Lord gave me that young lady right there. I love her. And, Lord, and through her, the Lord gave me two young men that I love, a daughter-in-law that I love, and two great grand, two, two grandkids that I love. You know, the third one coming, all boys, praise the Lord. And, and, and I tell you what, you know, they, they're fun. Hey, let me tell you something. If, if the Lord allow you to hold the grandkids, praise the Lord for that. Hey, that's God's blessing. Okay, when you sit on my lap, give me a hard time. Hey, that's God's blessing. Thank the Lord for that. Hey, Brother Sam, one day you're going to have grandkids dancing on your lap. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. That the Lord allow you to live to see your grandkids. Okay? And also pray for them. Spend time, have a place of spend time praying for your family, pray for your safety. We live in a crazy time. Okay? I'm telling you what. Be able to tell your kids and grandkids great things the Lord has done for Amen. you. Because the Lord has done so much for us. Amen? Those look like experience you had with the Lord. Pass it on to them. The testimony that you have when you pray and ask God to answer prayer. You teach your kids and your grandkids. You know the problem with America today, no one knows any the great things the Lord has done for the United States of America. Right. That's true. That is that is a problem. No right. one knows the real history of America. Well God forged this country, birthed this country. Okay, it's it's been silent in the pulpit, it's been silent in the, in the schools. And unfortunately a lot of the pastors are not able to teach the word of God like this pastor right here is doing. Amen. Amen. So this is how my life changed. That everything is you know, Darren and I, we wrestled, Hansel, we practiced judo jujitsu. But you know what? Those were great times when I opened the Bible and said, hey guys, let me show you what the Lord said about that issue. That's what we're supposed to do with your kids, okay? Let me show you what the Lord has done for us. Let me show you what, where we're going uh, for scriptures is concerned, okay? Uh, there was a time when I was, when, after I got saved, you know, went back, brought my, my wife back to Woodland Baptist Church. They were, I was here, something to raise a family. I see the importance of being in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, okay? But let me tell you something. We have to be careful, you know, the, the issue that I had is that if you're not, I'm going to tell the truth right here wherever it lands, that, that, that's their problem. 
the problem I had is I was on the bus. I, I, I wasn't caught up to be a bus person. And I'm not hitting the bus, but that's how I got saved. That's how I went to church. Okay, it's not for everybody. But the, 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 the culture there was, if you're not on the bus, you're nobody. Yep. If you're not on the bus, if you're not a bus captain, bus driver, you're nobody. And, that, and that's how I felt. That's, that's how the message came across to me. And one day, after I left, you know, first of all, someone shouldn't feel, leave church feeling depressed that they're nothing because of the culture. This, everybody should be encouraged, okay? Everyone should leave encouraging the Lord. So what happened is, one day, I, I, I went to the Lord and I, I was leaving and I was, I, I was heading home. After I, I head home, I still, I still feel like the worst Christian on the face of the earth. Get my car, I, I head to church, I, I head to work, walk right in. The first patient showed up uh, in my lab where I was working. He looked right at me and he said, you know what? There's something different about you. I walk up to him, smile at him, start going to his chart as to the reason for the old, I'm a cardiac sonographer. I look at heart patients. If you have uh, heart issues, I'm one of the first people you see. And I do stress tests. Matter of fact, nowadays our, our job expanded so much that we're learning more techniques and we do valve replacement in cath labs. You know, just last week I spent forever. I prayed, Lord, I want to get out of here on time and God help me. Uh, everything was uneventful. We replaced aortic valves in the patient. You know, uh, so one day, this patient showed up, a young man, almost 40 years old, and he started smiling at me. I look back at him and smile. I don't smile at these, but I forced myself to smile. So I started looking through his chart. Oh, he came with your chest pain, blah, blah, blah. What were you doing? I was binge drinking, I, you know, going through his chart, talking with him. And he looked at me and said, something different about you. I said, oh, yeah? I thought he was pulling my leg. <laughs> and uh, he, 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 I wheeled him into the, into the office. And he said, look at that. I knew there's something different about you. You get a Bible on your desk. I said, yeah, every morning I have morning devotions, man. And, you know, I got to read my Bible, more morning devotion, you know, so God can get me through the rest of the day. I, I got to. Really? I said, yeah. And so I started doing the ultrasound of his heart, and then he, he started talking to me. And I said, so after I'm done, I, I looked where his heart was basically not moving pretty well, almost damaged. And I said to him, let's say, for example, his name is John. I said, John, what if you died during that heart attack? What have happened to you? And he said, I really don't know, man. I said, I said, John, do you know what? Are you sick? I said, do you know anything about the salvation? I said, I said, are you, what church do you go to? Man, you know, don't go to church. I said, you would like me to show the, open the Bible and show you uh, uh, what could possibly happen, how, what God did for you on the cross? Yeah. And he said, you know what? I don't think this is an accident. I'm here. I want to hear it. Amen. I led that man to the Lord. Amen. I felt, thank you, God. Man, I walk, I walk around here, my man swag, I said, yeah. I, I felt like somebody. And I said, you know what? The Lord just cheered me up. The Lord just showed, showed me my purpose in life at Virginia Hospital Center. Amen. To talk to people about the Lord, those same patients, the first chance I get. Hey, do you ever, uh, in, a, in a situation where you, you become so bold, like, I don't care what happened, I'm going to talk to him anyway. Amen. You know, that kind of boldness, that, that, that instantaneous attack. So one day, as a rookie tech, I'm about three months now at the hospital, and uh, once again, ultrasound at the patient, okay, and his heart was barely moving, it's called cardiomyopathy. He had what you call the, 
AIDS-related cardiomyopathy. It's the AIDS virus went through his body over the years and just deteriorated his body and turned his heart into uh, He's not even squeezing. He just barely was doing this. It was labor breathing, which means that he's, fo he's forcing himself to breathe. His skin, he was a black, tall black gentleman, and the AIDS virus is now has full-blown AIDS, and uh, he started to develop fluid in his joints, and then his skin starts to peel because of the AIDS virus. Okay, and I looked at him, and I, and I looked at this chart, AIDS. You know, all this. And I looked at him, he's like, I, just, I don't know why I did that. I just looked right at him. I said, sir, you're going to die. But you know what? Do you want to know for sure after this, you'll be with the Lord? That man turned his head, looked at me, and did this. Amen. And man, I let that man, the Lord, use me as an instrument to lead him to the Lord. Amen. I walked out of there feeling victorious. I said, wow. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I sought to see my purpose. Amen. Okay. Hey, where God put you, hey, no, hey. So what if you're not a, a evangelist Billy Sunday? That's a hey, everybody can be Billy Sunday. Not everybody can be Brother Creed. What he's doing? We all here for a purpose, Amen. and we all find out what our ministry in life is all about. Believe you with this one. This this one and the the, the the great memories. I always say the Lord used me for. Okay, coming home from work, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, we take calls on, on the way from work. I think it was a Friday evening. I used to work on Fridays. And I called my wife. I said, I'm on my way home, hon. I think Darren was about 11 years old. Everybody, yeah, yeah, daddy's on his way home. And the people were not beep, beep. I said, start, what's wrong with these people, man? You know, I start, you know, getting in the flesh. What's wrong with these people? I said, I, I said, why couldn't they ask me to do what they need to do before? And I called the doctor. Say, hey, what's up? Hey, there's a pressure in the emergency room, okay? You need to go get back here. And I said, okay. I said, don't rush, Walt. Said, you know, and I said, this is room such and such in the emergency room. Dr. Corona's patient. I still remember that. I'm sorry. I said, man, it better be good. <laughs> It better be good. I'm, you know, running my mouth in there. Get the machine. I went down there looking for the patient. And I looked up on the screen. 18, you know, 18 years ago. What's wrong with her? Went over there. I saw this beautiful black American girl with splashes all over her face. Her face was distorted. She had lupus. Uh, uh, and, you know, Brother Creed, talk about compassion immediately i had compassion on her amen you know when you think that i want you to you make want you make you want to lead someone to talk to somebody you look at that person start having compassion and a young lady i start breaking down inside when i look at her heart her heart was barely moving because and she was also a kidney patient she, she, had, she had to be in dialysis on and, and you look around her heart when you think that i don't think my wife realized this but when i think that uh, happened to patients that had that are Dialysis patient, they retain fluid, and there's too much fluid, it goes around inside of the body, called the pericardial uh, part of the, the, the pericardium. Okay, it develops fluid around it and it and become very uncomfortable. She was having a hard time breathing, on top of that, and her heart was not moving. And I said, you know what, this 18 year old girl don't have that long to live. I whispered her prayer, I said, Lord, help me with this. And I started talking to her as I, I saw an image in her heart, and I said, young lady, I said, do you go to church? And she said, yeah, I said, go to Baptist. I said, oh, you're Baptist. I said, I'm a Baptist, but guess what? It's not because I'm a Baptist and go to heaven. It's the fact that, you know, I, I belong to a, a church, a Baptist church, but you know what? Long time ago, I accept Christ as my savior. And that's how we're gonna go to heaven. Have you ever heard the message of salvation? And she said, no, what's that? I said, okay, let me tell you what the Lord plan of salvation is all about. That young lady accepted Christ as a Lord and savior. You know what? 
I don't think that girl lived to be 19 years old. I don't think she lived throughout the year, the way her heart looked, okay? I realized that was my purpose, how God is using me. Okay, God, I have many other stories like, uh, like that, but I don't have time to go through that. But I just want to let you know, hey, I liked, uh, it, it was when I met my wife, is that's when I actually told her my life experience, what I went through was growing up, okay? And I hope this was a blessing to somebody, okay? Lord is good. Hey, I'm a miracle. I'm, I shouldn't be here. There's certain things that, that you know, it affects me. At one point, I, I didn't have really, people don't realize it. At one point, I really didn't have strong self-esteem, nor did I have self-confidence in everything. But some of the things that I accomplished, I went to Marine Corps boot camp. I made it through flying colors, okay? I went to school to be a cardiac sonographer, made it through. Hey, physics? I failed physics. <laughs> I don't know how the Lord helped me with physics, but he did. I'm, like I said, I'm a miracle. Okay, the job that I'm doing, I shouldn't be doing it. There are people that come through there and through uh, Georgetown University and all that come in there, and I'm looking at them, where did they come from? You, you know, I had to teach these people. Right. Me. Little old me. Oh, big old me now. Okay? <laughs> I had to teach. I'm saying I'm a miracle. Okay? And if God can do that for me, boy. He can do great things for a lot of us if Amen. you just let him. Amen. Thank you. Brother Chris, go and take, oh, you're taking over, take over this. Amen. That was a blessing. What's that? Huh? 